You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Honest AF Show with me, Daniela Clark. And me, Barbara Ann Wilde. And Miss Barbara Ann Wilde, it's always a good day when you show up. I love coming here. Oh, God. Highlight. I, always, I, I hate it when I don't see you. So today we have an extra bonus. Not only do I get to see Miss Barbara Ann Wilde, <laughs> but I also have... An old friend of mine in the studio, and oh my God. So I'll introduce you guys. Her name is Regina Benelli. Hi. Right? Hello, Regina Benelli. Welcome, Regina. Hi, girls. Hi. So, okay, this is so funny. First of all, Regina gets here and she's like, so what are we talking about? And I'm like, I don't know. We just shoot the shit. <laughs> <laughs> We're very unprofessional. <laughs> We're so unprofessional. Basically, all we do is that's record. The charm. Yeah, we <laughs> record mine and myself. Barb's conversation, which is what the concept of this whole shenanigan really was to begin with. We just added Phil, our engineers, so that he can make sure. That it sounds good. That it sounds good. Yes. So, Regina, I have known... For 265 years, mm-hmm. um, Matt. You're the tannest vampire I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> so we we met, I don't even know, I think it was like in the late 80s, maybe? Yeah. Since we're being honest AF <laughs> yeah. we're, and dating ourselves, clearly. Um, well, we were 10. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What apart? Let me think to what apartment I was in when I met you. You okay. were on I was Orange. On- you lived on a street called Orange, I no, think. No, Rossmore. Rossmore. That's it. Close to Orange, right? Right. Okay. Right. So Rossmore and In Hollywood. Pine. Yes. Okay. So that would have put us around 87. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So <laughs> we met at our modeling agency because at that time, Kate Moss was, was becoming really big and it was agencies, for everybody to have a petite division, a petite division. They all yes. wanted these smaller girls that were like kind of heroin chic, you know, tiny girls. Mm-hmm. That was the big fuss at that time. So Regina and I both got signed and I our agent we were the only two in the petite division. Weren't I think we, we were, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. we were. Okay. And at LA models. Yeah. At LA Heinz models. Holba. Exactly. <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, you had red hair, fiery mm-hmm. red hair at the time. And mm. I was, a, you know, just the same kind of as I am now, a brunette. Well, you know, now it's dyed brunette, but. <laughs> it's maintained. Um, it's maintained. Yes. I like that. Just enhancing what God gave you. That's yeah. all. Yeah. So okay. we met as models and mm-hmm. we started to kind of hang out. And one of the things that we both had in common is we both had this illness which is we were into dirty rock dirty rock boys. boys. <laughs> <laughs> we almost said that at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was late eighties, the Sunset yeah. Strip. Oh yeah. Yeah. We were into Dirty Rocker Boys. Yep. Mine I ended up marrying. <laughs> yes. You did. You yeah. were already living with Gilby at the time. Yeah, I was already living with Gilby. And Regina and I would go out all the time and get up to absolutely no good. <laughs> we would go out and go to all the clubs. We would go to the rock shows together. Coconut teaser. Yep. Madame Wong. Gazzaris, yes. I'm sure. Uh, some, some Sometimes Gazzaris, but mostly the more Hollywood ones. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, we didn't and, really go to Gazzaris that and much. And then Cantor's after everything closed. Yeah. And we go to like the Viper Room and, yeah. you know, but like in 87, I wasn't even 21 yet. So I was still a kid. No, me either, because Zach was uh, Zach had gotten the gig with Ozzy in '87. Yeah, so I was still living in New Jersey. I moved out to California in '88. Right. We had a couple years still before we were 21. 
so crazy. We were so young. We did the whole rock scene together. I don't know how we never ran into Barbara Ann Wilde. I, you know what? I Sharon Osbourne wouldn't allow us to hang out. We were like, we were home in bed we were early. Sequestered, except uh, <laughs> except for when except for when Zach got away from her. Then you know, but she was known to pull him by his ear out of many a night at the Rainbow, and you know, why aren't you in the hotel? But I still lived in Jersey until 88 anyway. So, um, but we'd never really, I mean, let's fit. I mean, Zach definitely had a romance with alcohol for a decade, but we definitely didn't, you know, hang out in Hollywood very much. Right. So, missed yeah. out. We, that's all we ever did mm-hmm. was uh, we were like running around from like the Roxy, the Whiskey, the Troubadour, uh, oh, the, the Viper Trou- Room, yeah. Madame Wong's West, mm-hmm. Madame Wong's East. Um, just, we ran from club to club, (laughs) but, um, and then I don't know why, but we figured this out the other night because we were at, it was Regina's birthday and she had a a beautiful little dinner party at Craig's Mm -hmm. and which is such a yummy restaurant in LA. If you're listening and you're not from LA and you're visiting, go to Craig's. It's a total scene too. We realized that you weren't at our wedding, which was so weird. And I don't remember why. I think we just kind of lost touch we or drifted did lose, apart at some point. Yeah, we did. I kind of, that was when I started getting into acting. Mm-hmm. And I kind of switched my circle of friends. Not not consciously. Not We weren't good negative. enough anymore, the rockers. No, no. <laughs> it's just that I started pursuing my own dreams. And that put me around more the act, more actors and directors. And I just kind of stopped hanging out at clubs late because I had early auditions. Yeah. And then I kind of, I kind of drifted away from people that I didn't really want to drift away from. I just, you know, like we were all out striving. You changed your scene. Yeah. And so just by accident, did we you grade dripped. up or did you grade down, would you say? It, it was linear. <laughs> it, was, it was a linear grade. Side not step. going there. Yes. Very good. Very good. Regina, you got into acting and let's tell everybody your story. Is this the 30 second elevator yeah. pitch? Okay. <laughs> well, 30 minute. I got into acting. I did a few bits. My first role was on Saved by the Bell. And then I was in, then I was a mermaid in the movie Hook. And then uh, I did some music videos. And then I kind of. I don't of, even think I knew that. You don't, You didn't know I was in Hook? No. I don't think I realized that. Yeah, wow, I learned something new every day. Yeah, I, my first, I had my first screen kiss with Robin Williams. Wow, in, in Hook. that's crazy. Yeah, so it was me and two other girls. We were the mermaids. We beat out like a thousand women who auditioned for this role. Well, you always a, did look like a mermaid it, with that long red hair. Yeah, yeah, he wanted a blonde brunette and a redhead. Yeah. But then he put wigs on us. It didn't even matter. But, <laughs> but um, it was originally a big part with uh-huh. a lot of dialogue. And uh-huh. I thought, this is, you know, this course, is my big break. This is my big break. And I didn't have anybody mentoring me at the time. And even my agents and managers weren't really guiding me. And so I thought, like, this, I've got my ticket. Like, I'm set. And so it took so long between the booking of the job to actually even filming the job. It was like almost a year. And so at that moment, this is where I screwed up. At that moment, all the casting people were like, who are these girls that are in this movie? Let's bring them in for our set. And I was like. Children of the Corn for mm, I don't think so. Ah, uh, I don't want to be on Baywatch. I don't want to be on that. Not that they were offering me. I'm just saying I I I was I was hardly even going out auditions, and when I went out, I wasn't trying hard. Uh huh. Because I was like, when my movie comes out, <laughs> all y'all, I, psh, this is you know, and so I blew it because I I was I had a hot moment when I could have parlayed that into something. Hmm. Because once it came out, trust me, everyone immediately forgot me. Because mm. even at the premiere party, right after the movie, people were going, there was mermaids in the movie? Aww. And I was like, oh, God. I'm Aww. fucked. <laughs> because our parts, I had six scenes with dialogue. Uh-huh. And when we filmed it, it got two. It was one scene with no dialogue and one scene underwater. And then in the movie, it was one scene underwater. Oh, no wow. Dialogue. So you ended up on the cutting room floor. Except for like one scene underwater, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't my big break. And I totally blew that opportunity because I was young and pretty and everybody wanted to have me in their office to read for their thing. Mm -hmm. And I blew it. 
How did you get into um, acting at that time? Was it through the agency, through a models? No, or? no, no. I, I got into an acting class and I just took a bunch of classes. And I think a casting director came to one of my classes, which is how he brought me in for Hook. Okay. And I got, I had an agent and I was going out in auditions. Because I'm wondering, because I ended up taking acting classes too <clears throat> at that time. And it might have been your influence. I don't really remember, but I hated it. So that was the end of that for me. I did mm -hmm. a couple little things also. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, this isn't for me. Yeah, and the acting teacher was really mean to me. So. Oh, yeah. Acting teachers <laughs> were really mean to me, too. Yeah, I, I didn't it like it. It was really hard yeah. to, to deal with that. They would really they would see my cocky little attitude and they would try to knock it down. Yeah. And it was tough. Did we have the same acting teacher? Was it that lady? Um who was yours? I had several. I had Daryl Hickman and... No, I don't remember her name, actually. I don't I know what I'm remember. thinking sitting here pretending like I could remember something like that. I know. I'd have to actually <laughs> pull out one of my old resumes to look at Joan Darling. Yeah, no. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. But anyway, so then what happened after that? Well, after, after that, you... I just kind of petered out because mm -hmm. I... Because it was like starting back at square one again. Mm -hmm. Nobody nobody really cared. Uh -huh. I was like, hi, I was... I, I'm I, children. Is there a children of the corn five? <laughs> I'm perfect for that, please. So I just kind of petered out and then I kind of wandered around. You know, I just kind of drifted a little bit. Uh -huh. And a friend of mine was producing a show called Erotic Confessions. Now, this stuff I remember. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, he, and he booked me for an episode of it. And I I did it. And I was like, OK, well, one and done. Mm -hmm. that was an experience all right why not and then my phone blew up and I was like what are all these shows and movies I've never heard of any of this stuff when I go in blockbuster I don't see this on the, on the show. <laughs> yeah. you have to go in the back yeah. yeah so so the joke's on them because I'll get paid for all these jobs and nobody will ever see these I don't see these no one's gonna know I did these <laughs> and so I did about 40 of them and then because it takes so long for post-production. By the time I the first one aired, by the time that, that Erotic Confessions aired, I had yeah. already had like 35 or 40 movies in the can. Wow. So I was like, no one's ever going to see this. And then the first one aired and my phone started blowing up going, oh my God, I just saw you on Cinemax. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who's what? Wait, everyone's watching these things? And so, yeah. So I had a minute there where I was Miss Cinemax. And my, some of my friends of, had a drinking game where the, if they would turn on Cinemax and they saw my face, they had to drink. Oh, I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like right when you turn it on, boom, there I am. Take a drink. Speaking of you being a... Uh... Miss Cinemax. And, and we're going to move on from this, I hope. Yeah, because yeah, I've we redeemed are, we are. myself later. <laughs> Don't hang up now, guys. We are. But I'm, I'm going to redeem myself later. This is not the end. <laughs> Who in this room woke up to the same thing I woke up to with Tommy Lee this morning? Not me. Not me. None of you heard about this? No. Tommy Lee posted this morning a complete frontal nude of himself. Oh, I've seen that before. We've all seen it before. Yeah. yeah. But... In he person. posted a full frontal nude of himself on Instagram. Lovely. Today. I hope my husband and, doesn't follow suit. <laughs> Why? And uh, um, it, but it was funny because Frankie was like, "Oh my god, the whole internet's blowing up because Tommy posted a frontal nude." I'm like, "What's the big deal? Everyone's seen it." Yeah, yeah. multiple times, right? But anyways, so wow. then after your superstardom on Cinemax, your superstardom on Cinemax and your Academy <laughs> Award ceremony and everything else, <laughs> what happened after that? What career path did you take? Then I decided to rebrand myself and I went blonde and opened up a clothing store on Sunset in Doheny. Oh, cool. I had a store called Celebrity Closet Raiders. Oh, and it was, I didn't know that. It was retail. It was, it was retail uh, consignment of designer clothing from celebrities that they had wow. worn. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was, I was on the Today Show. I was on E News, Access Hollywood. All of a sudden, I I was everywhere as the celebrity closet raider. Wow. Go read my closet right now. I, even I, though I'm not I, a celebrity, yes. I have a lot of junk in there. <laughs> well, <laughs> I need to get rid of it. <laughs> 
So I did that for a minute, but then that was around 2007. And I had a brick and mortar store, which I realized that I hated having a brick and mortar business. Mm. I didn't want to, I don't ever want to own something where I have to turn a key to get to it because it's just a nightmare. You have to have employees and deal with crap and people. And I don't like that. And it was around the time and I was selling used handbags for $2,000 and then the the housing market crashed Mm-mm. and people weren't spending money anymore. Mm-hmm. So I closed the brick and mortar store and I did this was 2008 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah when the Hollywood yeah. had a Hollywood was on strike and it was all yes. kinds of craziness yeah so I got out of that and I had always wanted to make a documentary I'd always wanted to direct something and I had always thought after I saw this documentary called Roger and me I thought that is a language that I could speak in like I just that documentary made me think I could do this because I it was such a perfectly well-made film that spoke to me and my skills and it just fired up my brain, but I never, I didn't have a topic. Mm-hmm. So I kind of put that on the back burner and then I was living on the money from my store, my savings. I started doing PSAs for charities like a, mm-hmm. like a Humane Society I was getting celebrities to do PSAs. I was writing and directing PSAs for the Humane Society. Just getting celebrities to talk about anti-dog fighting or anti-seal hunt and mm-hmm. whatever. I remember you doing that. And then you were dating. Then I was then I met Frankie. Mm-hmm. How did you meet Frankie? Okay. I had first met Frankie on October 20th of 1983. Uh-huh. When I was still living in South Carolina and I was a teenager. Because and that was that was about And that's where you're originally from, right? Yes, from I'm South from Carolina. South Carolina. Oh. And, and and tell everybody who Frankie is. Frankie Benali, the drummer of Quiet Riot. Okay. I Quiet Riot had their album Metal Health was going up the charts and they were opening for Iron Maiden. And they it was this is I met him about a week or no, about a month before their album hit number one. I was a teenage girl and my friend knew Frankie and she called him and said, my friend Regina is in, in South Carolina, like get, you know, put her on the list or whatever. And I hung out with him for a few days mm-hmm. and I had the biggest crush on Frankie, but I was a little kid <laughs> with braces. Right. And they all treated me like a little sister. Yeah. How old were you? Uh, I think I was 18, but I was really innocent. Yeah. Or 17. I might have been 17. Girl, I don't remember you being innocent. <laughs> I was innocent. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was innocent yeah. little girl. And but I had the biggest crush on Frankie. And but they were, you know, I was come on. I was a little girl to them. Yeah. And I went to several of their shows. I rode on their bus. I hung out with them in their rooms. I was like so enamored. Sure. And I actually I kind of Frankie and I were kind of flirting, but. I kind of blew it with him because I was so dumb that that I had said or I was hanging out with him and I was like, oh, my God, it's qu-. like I was totally starstruck. I'm like, this is quiet riot. Like I'm starstruck by all of them. And Carlos said, hey, you want to want to I'm going to go get a sandwich. You want to come with me? And I'm like, oh, my God, Carlos Cavazzo was asking me to go get a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go. get a sandwich. And so Frankie walks over and he goes, why are you talking to him? And I go. What? What? Why would you care? We're just friends. And he was like, he goes, oh, okay, fine. And he walked away and I was like, that's weird. That was a weird reaction from my dumb little brain. <laughs> and so we're eating sandwiches and I go, oh, my God. Oh, my God, Carlos, where's the phone? I have to call Frankie at the hotel right now. I screwed up. I said, we're just friends. And I met you and me are just friends. And he thought I was saying, <laughs> You and me are friends. Why are you? Why do you care who I talk to? Uh huh. And I told. So you realized at that minute that he yeah, was interested that in you. I and and that I had screwed up. Okay. And so Frankie was like kind of giving me the shoulder the whole rest of the time, and I was like, Frankie, Frankie, I didn't. I met me and him. I didn't mean me and you. And he was like, <laughs> whatever. And I, re- I I remember him specifically going, whatever. 
but you know, we stayed friends and then, and then I moved to New York to be a model. And then I'm, you know, like, you know, our lives went in completely different directions. Right. So completely forgot all about each other. And then around 2009, I was, which is how many years later, like 20 something years later. Yeah. Yeah. And I always had friends in the music business because I had come up around musicians. Yeah, yeah. I was practically raised by musicians from yeah. the time I was 17. Me that too, was how girl. I, that was how I left home. I was in Bo- Bumfuck Nowheresville and musicians are coming through. And I'm like, oh, my God, these are these are like my kind of people. <laughs> I need to be in a big city wearing cool clothes and doing something like like a circus life like this. I, this is what I need to be doing. And so, and they were always like, hey, why are you, why are you in this town? You need to be in New York or LA. So those were all my friends. So around 2009, I was pitching reality shows and none of them ever happened, but I was pitching a reality show with Stephen Piercy. We had, we had an idea that we were going to do together and Uh it involved like 80s rockers. Uh So I had gone to, this story is getting so long. Stephen Piercy from Rat. I know. Mm-hmm. So I was at a rat show and Carlos was there and I said, oh, my God, Carlos. Hey, I know you don't remember me, but because I look I, like now I'm an old lady, you know, and he's like, you're not allowed to say that you're a woman of a certain stature. Right, okay. <laughs> yes. But he goes, Regina from the East Coast. And I was like, oh, my God. Yes. And then it got my, in my brain. I was like, oh, Frankie was the one I really liked. And I thought, oh, well, I need we actually need rockers for this thing we're pitching. And I have to, like, go and find r- people because we were going to make a sizzle reel. So I sent a message to Frankie on MySpace. I mean, hey, you know, I'm, I, I know you don't remember me from whenever, but. Yeah, I remember uh, MySpace. Yes. And he writes me back and he goes, I, I'm not sure I remember you, but I'm single and um, ah! I'd, I'd like to pick you out for coffee. Don't even know who you are, but I'll take you out to coffee. <laughs> Fabulous. And I was like. That must have felt good. I was like, like, oh, um, okay. And then, and then our first date was on August 11th, 2009, which was exactly 13 years ago today. I was just going to say it is August 11th. Wow. That's crazy. And from that moment on, we were together. Uh There was no like, if there was no iffiness or dating other people or like it was from August 11th on. Yeah, just sparks flew. You we guys were, were madly in we love. We were, yes. Yeah. I was the first woman he dated after his wife died. Oh, his wife passed away? Yes. Oh, I he didn't know He was married for like 17 years or together with her for, I don't know. How oh, wow. Her, but um, she passed away in April of 2009. Wow. But they were already separated right uh-huh. before she right before she died. She d- okay, okay. But, um... So then you guys got married. So we got married. And then, well, actually, right before we got married, we were living together and engaged. He was retired when I met him. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm going to get the, you know, I've been thinking about getting the band back together. And I'm going to go talk to Kevin's mom and get her blessing to put the band back together. And I laughed. I go, oh, my God. Kevin this- Dubrow. Yeah. I said, this sounds like one of those things you would see on the Sundance channel. This sounds like a documentary. You're going to go meet with your dead singer's mother and get her permission to go on with the band. <laughs> and I go, oh, my God, I'm going to make a documentary. Let me make the documentary about this. Uh-huh. And so he let me follow them around. And I thought it was, this was going to take a few months. And it ended up taking four and a half years. Wow. Because the story kept changing and going on and getting bigger and, you know, and you guys were already married at we the time. We were already you living the, together. Uh, living yes. together. Okay. And when did you get married? November 11th of 2015. Okay. We made it official, even though it was. Uh-huh. Yeah. We eloped. We told no one we eloped. Wow. So, um, so and, yeah. So I made the documentary and it, I sold it to Showtime. Uh-huh. And from then... I saw the documentary. You did an amazing job. Did you see that documentary, Phil? You should watch it. She did a great job on Thank it. You. I really thought you 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 really did a great job What's on it. What's it titled? It's Quiet Riot. Well, now you hear there's no way back. It's on iTunes, Amazon, Instant Video, and a few other places. Like Isn't Google it so Play? interesting how if you stay open in life, in your journey, 
you just never know where things are going to take you and the the twists and turns that your career even, not just your personal life, but your career is going to take. You know, you went from like modeling to acting to all of a sudden you're directing documentary films. Yeah. Isn't that wild? I know. And and because of somebody in my household and what's going on in their life. Yeah. It presented a story that I was right there primed and ready to jump on. I'm always so interested in that and how like things can just take a twist. And if you're open enough, you can explore it and just kind of go down a different, completely different road and pivot. I think it's really cool. Um, So you guys were married, you made the documentary and then um, Frankie got sick. Right. Right. So I was, I was kind of getting ready to I wanted to move on to directing scripted films I didn't want to I didn't want to go into the doc world I didn't want I don't want to do true crime that was just a one and done I'm always ready to go to the next thing I feel like every time I do something everybody wants me to keep doing that thing they're like oh that's good you should do that forever I'm like okay well that was now I'm ready to do the next thing (laughs) which is scripted so I had plan to I was looking for scripts I was like now that we're all set up and we and we moved and we got our house we're all settled and I can make a short film and I can just work on my things I want to work on for me it's it this is my time and he's running the band and he's running the band and I can just I can I can make a film or whatever I want to do and then out of the blue just a complete shock to both of us, he was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer out of nowhere. And it, and you told me this story, which was he he had like a, a leg cramp is how it yes. started. Right. We thought it was a leg cramp. Now, I didn't I didn't know anything about the body or health or anything because I've always been young and healthy. And I didn't now. I've, now I can practically work at Kaiser. <laughs> um, but. It was a deep vein thrombosis, Mm. DVT. Mm -hmm. But we did not know what that was. We're like, that's a leg cramp. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, your leg. He was like, I think I hurt my leg. I don't know what's going on with my leg. It's like really hurting. And so he had just had a checkup two months prior and had a perfect clean Bill bill of health. Except for she said, but you're anemic. So her answer to your be you're anemic is go home and take iron pills. Mm-hmm. Not let's find out why you're anemic. Mm-hmm. Go home and take iron pills, which happens all the time. I mean, oh, how I many was, of us have oh, gone yeah. to the doctor and found out, you know, oh, you're deficient in this deficient in that. I always think about that, too. Like, well, why? Mm-hmm. What could be the cause of that? Why is, you know, why is that happening? Yeah. And the way our medical system is, is they don't order scans until you have symptoms of something. Right. And a lot of cancers don't give symptoms. Mm -hmm. Especially pancreatic Pancreatic, cancer. Pancreatic cancer hides in your body until it's ready to kill you. Mm. And that was what was happening is it, is it was clotting his blood that was going up to his lungs and his heart and was trying to kill him at that moment. And so he was around the house with his leg hurting and then the other leg started hurting and we were like, okay that you didn't that's not it you didn't pull your leg and have wait something's going on and so he goes it must be the iron pills mm. so so we looked it up and it does say online the iron pills can give you leg cramps so we we're like oh so just don't take the iron pills and we'll call the doctor and tell them what happened and drink a bunch of water don't take the pills today i'm going to my directing class tonight when i get home you'll probably feel better so I got home and he was like, no, I'm worse. And mm. I was like, oh, you got to go. We, we, we need to go to the emergency room. And he said, no, I've got an appointment for a day after tomorrow. I'll be fine. The next morning, he suddenly had shortness of breath as well. Oh, my God. And he still wouldn't go to the doctor. And so after a while, I just said, put your shoes on. We're going to the emergency room. Not because I thought I was saving his life. If he had really pressed back on that. I would have said, okay. I was just thinking, let's just get whatever prescription you need so you'll feel better sooner. Yeah. Not let's save your life. But when we got there, they were panicked and racing around. They hung a bag of something and and put it in his arm. And we just thought, oh, they're giving him fluids. And they were racing back and forth. 
and giving him an EKG. Sir, sir, do you, do you have any pain in your chest? You know, they were, they looked very panicked and we were like, <clears throat> what's going on with that? Like, well, my <laughs> husband suffers from blood clots and if you have shortness of breath and you have leg pain below the knee, or actually it's even worse if it's above, they're instantly going to think you're going to have a pulmonary emboli. So they're going to, yes. you know, they kill you or they don't. When the clots mm -hmm. break off and they go to your lungs, it's 50-50. Yeah. My husband has three pulmonary wow. emboli. So I'm very schooled in blood right. clots. Mm -hmm. Well, we were not at the time. No, most people aren't. So when they came back in the room and said, okay, because they had x-rayed him and x-rayed him and x-rayed him, you know, over the course of this night. And they said, you came in in time, thankfully. And we were like, in time for what? They said, if you had waited till tomorrow morning, you would be dead. Mm. And we were, and we thought that was the bad news. We were like, <gasps> what? you know. And they said, you're going to be on blood thinners for the rest of your life. And we, we thought that was bad news. And because at that point, they didn't even know. No, they just thought we just he was I, had a blood clot. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were x-raying to watch the blood clots dissipate. And they caught the top of his liver on the x-ray and it had spots all over it. Oh, my God. And they go, oh, you have liver cancer. And I was already home. This is like three in the morning. They had sent me home because I live close by. And they were like, oh, just you should go home. Yeah. And I thought I thought everything was fine, you know. And um, he called me and he said, they just told me I have liver cancer. Oh, my God. And I thought, OK, okay, okay. we can you can you can get a new liver. They can they can get they can cut those out. They can laser it. They can they can radiation. No, we can fix this. How long had you been married at this point? We were we were together for 11 years, but we were only married like four. Mm. But um, so then they said to him after we talked, they said to him, liver cancer doesn't usually start in the liver. So let's do some more scans. No, oh, God. And they did a lower scan yeah. and they said and then they said to him, it's pancreatic cancer that has spread to the liver. And he said, well, how long do people usually live with this? And they said, six months. Oh, my God. So the next call to me was, I've got six months to live. Oh, my God. And it went from leg cramps to six months to live in like 12 hours. You must have felt like you were going to pass clean out. I, yes. I let out a blood-curdling howl. And I did... Like, I knew nothing about any of this, and I was in complete and utter shock. Yeah. And you're relatively young people. Yeah. yeah. I never expect, we never expected this. No. And he was getting, he was getting um, checkups every year and blood work. And yeah. everything looked good. And we yeah. were always, we were, we were, we, we trusted in his doctors that they had this. Like, we don't have to worry about it because you got this. Well, you, most people do, you know, yeah. it's like you go for your checkups and you're like, okay, I'm good. You yeah, know, nobody exactly. ever, you know, no but, one ever thinks yes, that. But really you have to be your own doctor. Yeah. And his father had died of pancreatic cancer. Oh, really? And they knew that. Oh, wow. And they, they, but they never ordered just routine scans because that's not how, how it's done. You right. don't get scans until you have symptoms, but there's no symptoms. Wow. Even if your father died of it. So a simple scan would have. Especially if you have, you know, family history and stuff like that. It's so yeah. important to. I, I love the scan that you get. That What is that scan where it scans your whole body? The DEXA scan? Yeah. But that's for bone density. You do have to be your own advocate. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. And your loved one's advocates for sure. But I will say that, you know, there's there's two schools of thought, right? So we hear what we want to hear. So when a doctor tells you, oh, your blood work looks great, you're like, you heard exactly what you want to hear. You want to believe mm -hmm. that. So you kind of just forget about it. But then I have friends and have known people in my life that want to be sick and are determined to find out that there's something wrong. And if we look hard enough, Every one of us has something. It doesn't have to be major. But there are so many new 
scans. There are so, new blood tests now that, that just got approved that can determine like 81 cancers before they're detectable in any other way. There's tons of things, but you have to do it yourself. Like the bone density test, yeah. it's not covered by insurance unless you have a fall right. or unless you have and some sort of issues. Orders it. So, yeah. but I went to this, I think what you're talking about is there's a, a company called Forward that is kind of like a membership, I very up and coming, I've been thinking amazing. Should, Honestly, should I, should I, join that? I highly recommend it. Okay. It's been, it, it's been amazing for me. And basically what they even use your raw data. If you do 23 and me, <laughs> they will take the raw data that'll be downloaded and they can tell you like genetically a million and one things that you have a predisposition for so that they have you be on alert and be proactive because yeah. there are a lot of things we could prevent just yeah. by knowing that, hey, I have a propensity that I may end up with this. Mm -hmm. So let me eat these certain things or take these certain supplements. supplements or what have you. But anyway, they do. I went and got my blood work taken from them and instantly right there and then they don't call you and tell you what your results are they scan it right then and then they have the every doctor has the capability to have your blood drawn and and gone through right then and there you don't have to wait for days for the results to come back forward takes it right then and there they tell you and they put it up on a big giant whiteboard and they be, I mean it well computer like kind of like a big iPad now and they say oh okay so Here's where your cholesterol is at. Here's where this is at. Here's where your, you know, liver panel is, this, that, and the other. And they'll say to you, uh, I mean, for me, fortunately, everything was brilliant, except he said the only thing that I don't know because we don't have the capabilities here is a DEXA scan for bone density. He said, and unless you have some sort of crazy um, accident or something, as a doctor educated based upon everything that I'm seeing here, the only thing that you could probably have an issue with is if your bone density isn't great, you break a hip. Most people, he said something crazy, like 87% of people after they break a hip die within a year. So he said, that's something that we should do a scan. It won't be covered by insurance. See, that's the thing is a lot of times all those proactive oh, things yeah. aren't covered by insurance because yeah. it's like yeah. you said, you have to have something wrong before they'll give you a scan. Right. Right. But that forward company is very proactive. It's, yeah. it's basically you're being your own advocate and you're taking control of your health. I'm actually doing the DEXA scan again on the 18th of August. Um, there's a mobile place that does it now. It's incredible. Oh, I'll, I'll put it, yeah. I'll tag it. Yeah, um, sure. And they appear at different gyms all throughout uh, Southern California. And I think a couple of other West Coast states. And you just sign up. It's $59. You go on there. They have a mobile unit. They totally do a DEXA scan. Kim Kardashian just did it and made a big thing about uh, how uh -huh. her bones were better than 98% of the people in the world I or whatever. Mean, and course, Kim Kardashian yeah. steps out of the house and it's <laughs> but, a big but fucking anyway, ordeal. But yeah. no, but it's a great yeah. company. Yeah. And so I'm going yeah. to do that again yeah. because before I had to go to the hospital to do it. Yeah. But um, I agree with you. You have to, you have I'm to. I'm going to do that. I did do a full body MRI. Yeah, that's cool. that's good to get too. A full yeah. body yeah. That is not inexpensive no it was yeah. 40 it was forty five hundred dollars yeah I was gonna but say. but honestly I mean if we had known you could do that don't you think we would have rushed Frankie that would have been the best forty five hundred dollars we would have spent mm, right because right. we just didn't know we didn't know a that that he needed that or b that you could do that I found out all this stuff while I was caring for him because I instantly became when he got diagnosed instantly became his full-time caregiver now I'm taking care of every single thing in the house his all advocate of our, all of our pets researching and advocating for him and now taking over all his responsibilities with the band because he was the manager and the tour manager. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I took a, like I'm buying flights on, with one computer and researching pancreatic cancer with oh. another computer. Oh my gosh. It was a, it was a harrowing 16 months. I mean, I can't even imagine. I, I, I mean, when I found out, I, I I know you and I had lost touch for quite a few years. We'd run into each other yeah, at events shows, here and there yeah. and mm -hmm. things like that. But we hadn't really connected in quite a while. And then when I found out that Frankie had mm -hmm. passed, I reached out to you because I was yeah. just like, oh, my God, poor Regina. How is she even dealing with this? Mm -hmm. And you were only married, you know, four years. And now it's been how long? It's 
on August 20th, it'll be two years. Two years. Oh, wow. Oh, it's such a, it, it, it's something that you just don't even think about, you know, and especially when you're young, like, I mean, I know we're not young, young, but <laughs> I consider us somewhat young. Yeah. It's a weird time to be widowed because, yeah. I'm, you know, if you look at it, like if you're widowed really young, as tragic as that is, you're still so young that your life hasn't really happened yet. And you still have your life to live from the pretty much the beginning. Yeah. Or if you're widowed late in life, that's kind of the natural way to, or for that to be. And you just kind of live out your rest of your life as a widow. But I'm like in this weird middle place where I'm too young to just be a single widow for the yeah. rest of my life. Yeah. But yet I'm not starting over. So it's a weird place because now I'm like back in the dating world. Again. Right. Did it take you a certain amount of time before you went, okay, I need to start getting myself back up there. I got to dust myself off. You know, like, what do you say to other people that are widowed and how do they get through that? I don't know because I'm just kind of figuring that out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew even I knew when he was diagnosed that I would be dating again. I knew that I wanted to find love again because yeah. I loved being married. I yeah. loved being part of a team. That was the most natural position for me. Mm -hmm. I love being with one person. Right. And having that best friend that I do everything with and that, and that we shave off each other's rough corners and make each other better. And I thrive in that environment. Mm -hmm. Although if I never find it again, I will be fine because I had it. I had a man that loved me more than life itself if I never find that again, I'll be okay. Because mm. I haven't. A lot of people don't don't get it at all. Yeah. Oh. But anyway, I don't want to go there. So. There's tons of 28-year-olds out there, so don't worry. Yeah. You don't have to do <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But Far. I but Frankie knew that I was gonna move on and we talked about it. And he's fine with it. Yeah. He just, you know, he wants me he he just wanted to make sure it was somebody good. He just wanted to make sure you'd be taken care of and you'd yes. be happy. He, he wants left you me, to be happy. He left me very well taken care of. Yeah. He just doesn't want anyone that would want to take advantage of me. Right. Or like live off of me. Right. Right. But other than that, he was fine with it. And then you started, you, you know, you've always been like super ambitious and busy. You, you started managing his legacy in a sense and yeah. the band. Well, I, the, the funny thing was, is when I made the documentary, I researched the hell out of the band mm -hmm. and I was helping him through the process of rebuilding the band. So every, every decision that he made, we made together. Right. So it was actually a training ground for me, which I didn't know I was in. I was in, I was in basic training for something I didn't know I was going to get handed yeah so now I'm the band's historian and archivist and uh the carrier of the flame right and the defender of the legacy I don't know how you do that like I I'm always uh, amazed by what you do and what Barb does and Sharon Osbourne like I have been around Gilby and his music and his business and the music business for I don't know forever now like 255 years but I wouldn't have the slightest idea on how to like manage it and manage him like I just don't think that I'm I think you do a pretty good job with Frankie I I don't know if you're I being fair I to yourself really, I don't manage her though I mean I don't really know you how to kind of you know, like I mean it's 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 you kind of just go with the flow right I yeah. mean the music industry changes on a daily hourly you learn as you go yeah wow and the decisions that are presented to you, I don't wake up every day thinking I know everything that I'm doing, but things happen and the decision is right there. And I and I can see what would be better for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so one decision at a time, mm -hmm. you know, I just go one decision at a time. And what's the best for the brand, the band, his legacy and and us. So He's, what is going on now with the band? Well, we. I got Rudy Sarzo back in the band mm -hmm. and we're touring. We, I think in 2022, Ooh, he's an original member. Yes. Yes. We, yes. So, so I got an original member back in 
Right. Because Frankie was the only original member. Mm -hmm. So I got Rudy back. And we're in 2022. I think we're going to play about 75 or 80 shows. Whoa. So that's a lot. Good for you. That's great. Yeah, that's a lot. So we, we, you know, we, we brought in some some new people as far as the booking side of it. And, you know, we've shaken a few things up and. Next year, we'll be adding meet and greets and merch, and I'm redoing the whole merch profile. I got out of a merch deal that we were in, mm-hmm. and I'm starting a new one. Wow, that's Good amazing. And then, and then you still have time to do your well, your hmm. other stuff or no? But you, weren't you, aren't you an intimacy coach yeah, too? Yeah, I do that as well. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. let's get into the intimacy coaching. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. How did that happen? Tell us about that and how that happened. Okay, well, remember when I did all those movies, mm-hmm. there was a lot of nudity and intimacy simulated romantic scenes in those movies. So right. I have experience as an actor in that. And so when this new job came around, actually before Frankie was diagnosed, I started training as an intimacy coordinator because to me, I love directing and working with actors. Mm-hmm. And that is a way of kind of like being a second unit director because a lot of times the director will let, not always, but they'll let you kind of take over that scene. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm getting to do second unit directing on a, on just certain scenes and work with actors and protect them from being harassed mm-hmm. or coerced into things that they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that was something I was doing before Frankie was diagnosed and I'm still doing it, but it's kind of hard for me because I feel like I was this like hippy dippy animal rescuer artist chick that was a loving wife. But uh, now I'm getting dragged into the, this band stuff and I'm becoming Sharon Osbourne. Like, <laughs> how did I like, Whoa, what's happening? And so a lot of times I've been, okay, one time I was on a set. Isn't it I'm funny how Sharon is the pinnacle yes, of well, wife is. management? I mean, yeah. Yeah, the wife, she is. She's the ultimate wife. Yeah. Time. Like I'm on a set dealing with actors and I've got a booking agency calling me, complaining about something going on or band guys calling me yeah. with, with drama. And I'm like, okay, stop. <laughs> hold on just one second. Like, okay. So what is the backline situation going on? Well, you tell those motherfuckers. <laughs> that we won't play the fucking show. They better get that back line there. Okay, thanks. All right, so where were we? <laughs> or one time I was having a phone conversation with an actress who was very nervous about her first nude scene. Uh-huh. And I'm on the phone with her. And I'm like, okay, listen, it's going to be fine. And she's like, what if he gets an erection? I'm like, okay, well, if he gets an erection, we will not shame him. We will just pause, get, let him take a breather, you know, because it's natural. The body, the body thinks, oh, this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing now. And it works separate from the brain. And, you know, we're not going to shame him or embarrass him. We're just going to take a break. And I'm having this conversation in a car with the whole band. Oh, my God. They're <laughs> like, that's great. Looking like, ew. I'm like, guys, just give me a second. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Anyway. So if he gets an erection, <laughs> it'll be okay. All right. So, <laughs> you know, those worlds are stepping all over each other all the time. And it does, it is hard. I, I don't have the. Do time. they, what do they do in those instances when they're like on set and they're in a heated scene? Are they like wearing certain things to. Yeah, there's all kinds of modesty garments and protection that you put place depending on the camera angle uh-huh. and the body's angle uh-huh. you put pads in between them pillows in between them you put them at an angle where you can't see right there and then oh. like, sometimes one of my tricks that I that I started I don't know if somebody else thought of it too but I thought of it and now I see it a bunch of other intimacy coordinators doing it is I take an, an a small exercise ball and I semi deflate it and I put it like between the actor's legs here, the, the and then f- the actress sits on top of it. Oh, and she could bounce away, <laughs> and they're not, <laughs> and they're not touching. Oh my god, that is genius! <laughs> so, 
So the yeah. tricks of the trade. Yeah, there's definitely tricks. Because I always you, wonder about that. I'm like, oh my God, can you imagine? You, you know, know like, like when someone's face is right there and there's like a thigh and their face is right there. Yeah, like, I'm what? like, it's like porn. Yeah, and, but exactly. now that I know yeah, what's really probably, happening. There's probably a styrofoam, or, or not styrofoam, but memory foam taped to her crotch and his face is like just sitting on the memory foam. Oh. Uh, yeah, you never really make contact. Wow. It's incredible. Yeah, it really is. Because I always thought like, it looks like porn to me. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I know. And I remember when I was doing those movies, I would get asked, are you guys really having sex? And I was like, I was perplexed at how I would even be asked that question. Like, you know that movies aren't real, right? You know that when <laughs> we kill somebody in the film, they're not really dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> Why would you actually have sex? If you can't see the, if you can't see penetration between the actors, why would they actually do it? Well, you know, it's your own fantasy and your own little dirty mind. Yeah. So, yeah, that is just so fascinating. Regina, you are like a jack of all trades. Absolutely. Master of nothing. No, you are. You are a master of quite a bit, actually. I mean, who would have thought to put a little bouncy exercise, deflated bouncy exercise? I'm never going to look at mine again the same way. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're quite the genius. Um, so, but I really want to direct a feature and I, and I'm determined to get the band set up in such a way that it's a, and I'm all, we're almost there. We are such a well-oiled machine. Everybody is a team. I mean, like last week, a flight got, got postponed and Rudy was on the phone flight and I stayed up all night booking another flight and then and then the drummer's like okay we'll just drive to new orleans and get on go to that airport and we everybody figured out the solution to the problem like we are a team yeah if something goes down there it Mm. will not stop quiet riot quiet riot will not die if kevin (laughs) nebro dying didn't kill quiet riot nothing will that's hysterical that's funny nothing will kill this band you cannot kill this band but i want to get to the point where i could actually direct a feature and have that band still running mm-hmm. without needing me for something <laughs> yeah. while I'm on set and actually direct a feature. You should do it. I, that's my goal. Do it. Just do it. Just make I it just, happen. I have to find a script and it's hard to get something greenlit. And, you know, it's like starting <laughs> all over again. No one believed in my documentary and then I made the documentary. And now everyone's like, make documentaries. And I'm like, no. I want to make a feature. And I was like, oh, we don't believe in you for that. It's like, well, no one's ever believed in me for any step of the way. I have to keep proving myself. It's like, well, I did all those things that nobody said I could do. And now I want to do this. So, Regina, <sighs> I don't know if, if we can talk about this or not. But if we can't, then we'll just edit it out. But I have to ask you because it's stuck in my memory banks. And I just went and saw them play that Blondie song. Oh, yeah. The mention of your name in that song. Yes. Is that really about you? If it is, they will never admit it. Uh Uh-huh. Because at the time they were recording the song, I was dating Clem Burke. Right. And I was in the studio. I went to the studio one time in Electric Lady, and Debbie said to me, oh, you're Regina. I was wondering who's Regina. (laughs) And I thought, oh, she just means somebody mentioned me. And yeah. then, but they were, they were recording that song. It's stuck in my memory banks forever. Right. And every time but I hear what's the name of the song again? It's called uh, Maria. Maria. Right. But yeah. we broke up and he was with another woman who he's now married to. Yes. So Ellen. for the love of God, they will never, ever say that song <laughs> about me. Yeah. <laughs> they will never say that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it is, but. <laughs> but maybe not. I don't really care. Yeah. Either because whatever. It always reminds me of you because <laughs> I hear the song and I love that song. And it was like Maria, 30 years ago. In, in the chorus, it, go, it switches from Maria to Regina. It says so. Regina Ave Maria. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And there and there's certain things about this character in that seem like won't come in from the rain. Yeah. That was kind of me in that in that relationship. I right. wouldn't come in from the rain. I was definitely foolish there. But I was, you know, this was 30 years ago. Yeah, it was 100 years ago. 130 yeah. years ago. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. who cares? I mean, I yeah. dated him, like, it wasn't even a year. It was like maybe, I don't know, a few months. <laughs> I don't even, I, I, I don't remember. It yeah. was so long ago. So, Regina, Barb and I always talk about this on the podcast. We talk about beauty. 
do you have like a favorite product <laughs> or anything that keeps you fresh and young and youthful? Okay. You've clearly never been to my house. No, I have not. With or without batteries is fine. Um, <laughs> both of my upstairs bathrooms, the cabinets are packed. Well, so are ours. Trust me. And then I had to eventually get a unit of storage in the bedroom to store more products. Yeah. Because I buy everything. And I can't even tell you what I use because when I go to wash my face, I open the drawer of cleansers. What's your one, one product that you can't live without? Or that you've rebought? Uh, yeah. Because that's the big tell-all for me. Yeah. Rebuying uh, is... That, that is I a... rebought. I've kind of gotten... I, I was into Dr. Paracon products for a while in around 2007. And then when it was when I was dating Dr. Paracon. Wow. I dated Dr. Paracon. <laughs> Uh, that's the information we kind of needed. <laughs> yeah. Well, does he really make you eat a lot of salmon? Yes. And he, and he, he tested <laughs> creams. You know he tested creams on me that he hadn't that he hadn't put out yet and stuff. But that was like a that was a blip. His cold later. plasma cream is fabulous. Yeah. So I've kind of started rebuying that stuff. The cold it's plasma. good. It's really good. And the serums. Uh -huh. So I'm kind of getting more into that again. Well, there you I, have Retin-A. I'm, I'm getting back into Retin-A. Retin-A. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. Yeah. Really. I used Retin-A in my in my entire 20s because uh -huh. I had acne. Mm. And that was what they gave you for acne. Mm -hmm. But it also kept me from wrinkling. It's right. the only thing proven. Yeah. 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 Only so, thing proven to rid you of them. Yes. Yeah. And so in my 30s, everyone was saying, oh, that's, that's out of style now. No one's doing Retin-A. Everyone's doing glycolic acid. And so I was like, okay. Okay. And I got out of Retin-A, but then I, I always was thinking, why did I ever stop Retin-A? That was what was working. Well, it also so makes I'm, your skin sensitive and you can't go in the sun. Very sensitive to the and, sun. Yeah. yeah. You have yeah. to be really careful. With you have to be it. very it's so careful. It's, it's ironic that you bring that up because my sister came over uh, the other day and her skin looks gorgeous. Well, your skin and is like glass. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, her skin about. is retarded. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's ridiculous. My sister yeah. looked gorgeous and I said to her what are you doing to your skin your skin looks so good and she said believe it or not I was breaking out a little bit and now different gel which is retin-a based is now over the counter it used to be a prescription for retin-a from the derm and she's been using it and she like put it on a couple of spots and it cleared them up but it also made her skin look like tighter and yeah and less visible pores so she started using it everywhere and she's like, it's it's literally Retin-A back from the day. It's like, yeah, it, it's proven. I mean, it, it yeah. works. Yeah, we 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 all should have never stopped that. That we all should have stayed out of the yeah. sun. Well, Barb yeah. never went in the sun. I needed to do, but I did. Uh, I went in a little bit. Regina, are we done? We're done. <laughs> what? I it was like, painless, wait a right? Wait, wait a you have more to Did talk we about? even finish anything? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Well, we talked about a lot of stuff. <laughs> we'll have you back on it when we go to like, your premiere. Like I sat down 10 minutes ago. Really? I think How it's been about an hour. Wow. Yeah. 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 It's amazing once you start okay. gabbing. I know. How quick it, the time flies. I, <laughs> I know. And and we skipped right over all my stories about you when you were. Oh my oh. God. You have stories about me? Well, you were actually kind of innocent. I was, the, yeah. I was the single one. Yes. You were the, you were the one who had a boyfriend and I was yeah. the single one. Right. You were up to no good. Up to no good. Yeah, she's much a... more innocent than she looks, right? <laughs> yeah, she doesn't. Yeah. Yes, looks like sex, yes. and she's like yes. such a good girl. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was your co-conspirator. That's true. We had many phone conversations about boys. That's right. Uh -huh. You know all my secrets, probably. <laughs> I kind of do. Mm -hmm. uh, any, at least the ones from those days, I do. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, All right. Well, this has been lady. fun, ladies. It was lovely to it meet was you. Fun having yes. you, lovely and it's always you, fun for us to have another rock wife on. Absolutely, and someone that you know understands, and and you know we all kind of go through a lot of the same stuff. Mm -hmm. So thank you for coming and visiting with us and sharing your story. We'll have you back on when you have your yeah, premiere. Yeah, anytime your you want to come back on, you come back <laughs> on. I hope you enjoyed this episode with the lovely Regina Benelli. Hit us up on our socials. Honest AF Show is our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. HonestAFShow.com is our website. Do you have like any handle that you want to announce or no? I'm Regina Benali on all of the social medias. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I have a website, IntimacyCoordination.com. QuietRiot.band is the band's website. Yeah. Quiet Riot on Facebook. 
yeah, I'm easy to find. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. And until next time, y'all take care. Bye. Bye, everybody. We obviously need to do a disclaimer here. So we want you to know we are not doctors or experts by any stretch of the imagination. We are just a couple of gals that are looking for magical products, procedures, and experiences. And in our quest, we will share our honest as fuck opinions with you. So please make sure before you try anything we talk about that you know your own restrictions and do so at your own risk. Do not blame us for any of your issues. We're just experimenting too.